0: This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a new offering from the Sunday Book Review, which is the Sunday Book Review Authors Edition, where I visit with an author over his or her book about compliance, leadership, and best practices. Numerous uh, folks have asked me to put on a book review podcast, so the Sunday Book Review Authors Edition will fill that slot. Thanks for listening. Today, Jeffrey Hazlett in The Mirror Test. First, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life
0: changing care,
1: and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have back with me Jeffrey Hazlitt. Jeffrey is the founder and CEO of C-Suite, and we're going to talk about his latest book. So, Jeffrey, first of all, welcome back. And thank you again for taking the time to visit with me today.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Jeffrey, could you remind our audience of your professional background and your current role?
1: Well, I don't know if we have enough time, but I'll do my best. Now, <laughs> you know, I bought and sold over 250 companies, about 25 billion in transactions, both public and private companies. Serve on cor- a number of corporate boards today, a number of them, both private and public. Uh, I think I'm on four, yeah, four public publicly traded boards today. Publicly traded companies. I'm a former chief marketing officer for Eastman Kodak, Fortune 100 company. I've been a primetime host on Bloomberg, and now a host on television for C-suite Radio and C-suite TV.
0: So, in between all of that, um, you've written your latest book, and I want well, to actually start that, with
1: yeah, yeah. I was going to jump in. It's not my latest book, but we I know reason I say that is we're actually promoting the book, and everybody keeps thinking it's a new version of that book, but no, we're going old school, and it's the Mirror Test. It's the very first book I wrote and back in 2010, but we're updating a lot of the content and, of course, getting the message out there because right now, more and more people need to hear about it.
0: Well, that makes this podcast all the more interesting Because the things that I read in the mirror book and the things that you talk about to me now become more significant that you're applying them literally after the world has changed over the past three years. And it shows, demonstrates to me the time-tested nature of, of what you have written about. So then let me ask, what led you to write the book initially, but more importantly, what led you to update it?
1: Well, I tell you, to write it initially was, you know, I was just coming out of Eastman Kodak, was leaving, and and my, by the way, I had this agent, she kept saying, write a book, write a book, write a book for like 10, 15 years, she was saying that, and finally I said, you know what, I'm going to leave Kodak, I'm going to do it. And so then I started thinking about what rules would I want to have, or how would I apply to knowing whether my business would be good or bad, I just spent four years at Eastman Kodak. You know, going through a huge digital transformation, kind of restarting that company. Of course, eventually it ran out of room and uh, did not succeed in the way that we would have loved to. It went bankrupt back in all oh, about nine years after I left it. So, but it was during that time period, we made a lot of transformation. So it was a great chance for me to be able to look ahead and say, be ready for these trends, be ready for these things, which, as you said, all came true all applicable for today. So it's a, now it's for me going back and updating. It's about saying, look what we said then and what we're saying now. And it's the same. It's, it's tried and true, tried and true.
0: You have a longtime collaborator named Jim Eber. Um, How have you worked with Jim over the years now that you've had multiple books with him?
1: He's uh, Jim and I've done four books. In fact, this was the first business book he'd ever written. In fact, before that, he'd done a cookbook on chocolate. So, you know, I was kind of like his dessert. So, that's the way we describe it. You know, and it's funny cuz Jim and I get along so well. Haven't talked to him for quite a while cuz we haven't been doing a book, but when we're in the book mode, we are in the book mode. And and sometimes his wife will say quit quit speaking Jeff Hazey You know, you know, because he gets into that language sometimes. But, yeah, we've we had a great collaboration. He's just a wonderful ghostwriter. And then he's been able to do a lot of different business books afterwards. He's he's so packed. I don't even know if he had time for me if we wanted to do another book.
0: So let's turn to the book because you start with a great story and it's about Murphy, the spy. Oh yeah! <laughs> Could you tell us the story of Murphy the spy and and why that was such a perfect metaphor or analogy for the overall subject matter of the book?
1: Well, it kind of gets to the whole theme, right? It does because of the tried and true that we're going to talk about. It, it's about Murphy the spy who's been sent over to Ireland for a, a you know a secret mission, and he and he uh, he goes and he goes. Well, it's a, it's an agent that's sent over to 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 uh, Ireland for a secret mission, and he goes and reports a certain times, certain place where he's supposed to be. And then he asked for Murphy, he asked for, you know, so-and-so, and then goes through where he has to go to two or three different people. And finally, guy says, oh, you're looking for Murphy, the spy, which meant there were no secrets in anywhere in this village, none whatsoever. And that's what we learn in business. There are no secrets. It's all the same. You know, everybody's coming to me today and say, oh, it's, it's always, it's about the relationship. So when the hell did it stop being about the relationships? You know, oh, it's about this. When did it ever stop being about that? And so we seem to think we invent new things all the time when it's all tried and true. It's all been there. It's all out in front of us. We all know what it is. It's transparent as it could be. It's just we failed to notice it. We failed to to take the mirror test to find out whether it was real.
0: And that's, I've read several of your books now, and there are several themes that run throughout, and they are the basics, but they're ways to help you ask questions about the basics, see the basics, and implement the basics And execute within your organization. But let's start with the mirror test. What Uh, are the three mirror tests?
1: Well, first one's proof of life. I mean, you fog the mirror. You know, when we were Boy Scouts or Weeblos or maybe Cub Scouts, you know, they used to teach us that if we found a body laying on the ground, you thought it might be Dead. What did you do? You grabbed your belt buckle or you grabbed a mirror and you held it up to the person's nose and mouth. And if they fogged the mirror, they were alive. And that's what we have to do. So the first one is that. The second one is leadership. It's all about leadership in a company. You know, I interview, as you do, CEOs and C-level executives from all types of businesses, whether they be small businesses, startups, or they're multi-billion dollar companies, some of the biggest companies in the world and the number one thing is always about talent and leadership, right? How to use your talent in such a way. And so, but leadership is a is a big one. And a third one, hey, bottom line, it's your bottom line. You know, I'm sitting here in the brand new office in a company that I'm on the board for, and we're launching a new media company, and I'm sitting here working with them. And I said, one rule, if it doesn't lead to sales or to conversions, that's listeners or viewers, we're not doing it. And so you have to get really focused in on the bottom line, because that's, in the end, what we're trying to drive. Because you can do all the things in the world, but if you don't have profit, if you don't have money to be able to put back into the business, you got nothing.
0: You have a term or an acronym called R-A-C-E, which is, you using the phrase, always the race. Yeah. What's the race, and why is that so important that people ask those questions and think it, about those things? It's
1: so funny. I serve on another board, another startup that we're doing, where we're actually putting Kevlar into paint that we put on cars. Kevlar. So we, it's like bulletproofing your, your not literally bulletproofing your, your car, but it keeps the nicks and dings and everything else. And so I used that formula just yesterday. So it's funny you should bring that up. But let me tell you, I'm not the author of that. It's an old public relations term that I used to, I learned back in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s. And it means research, action, communication, evaluation. And that's something every marketer should do. First, you research, look at your audience, who it is, what kind of message. You put the end of the action plan, you communicate it, then you see, hey, did it work or not work? Or what can we change? And so everything is cyclical. This week, I'm interviewing a ton of some of the world's largest, biggest, most famous economists in the world talking about the upcoming recession, right? And one of the cool things that one of them reminded me is, is Jeff, I don't know if you remember this, but they taught you in economic school that everything is cyclical, or it's, you know, it's, it's it's earth-shattering. It's ending, right? It's there's either a finite end or it's a it's a cycle. And I, oh, okay, that's what race is all about in business. That's what we do every single day, you know. For the most part, as you know, Tom, most of the things that we do, no one's going to die. So if we make a big mistake, no one's going to die. And so this is research, action, communication, evaluation is a great thing for us to be able to do.
0: And the reason I like that acronym so much, I've heard you talk about that before, is you can implement that in a traditional business setting, or you can be a lawyer like me putting in a legal plan, and it's the exact same formula. It's all process.
1: Yeah, you could do it in a church, a church, a political campaign, uh, you know, anything you want, you could, you could apply that to.
0: So you have 20 questions to ask, and I'll, but I I want to start by focusing on number 11, because I always thought that was the most important. But you've got it at 11, which is what is your unique selling perspective or
1: positioning? Selling, prop, yeah, positioning. yeah, you bet.
0: And so uh, what's the is is it? That just one of many, because I thought the uniqueness always was number one.
1: No, if there's a lot of things you got to take in consideration. You know, most importantly is what problem you're solving, and that's really what this is about. You know, my son, who's the chief marketing officer for us at the C Suite Network, probably one of the brightest people I've ever met in my life. And you know, even though he's my son, I'm always surprised by that because I know where he came from. You know, but. <laughs> You know, he always says, what problem are we solving? And that's really what it is. So what's your unique selling proposition, positioning, what, you know, whatever the P word you want to use. But it's really about how you stack up against the others and what value you're providing to somebody else. And it's always around that problem. And if you can find out what that problem you're solving, you can make it real simple. And the simpler you can make the, the value proposition, the better it is. And you know, you can't be so unique that you're the only one. Because if you're the only one, then you're not solving anything. Right? Because nobody else is wanting to tackle that market. So but you want to do is spend a great deal in terms of, of being able to differentiate yourself from everybody else in the problem that you're solving. And it's all that relates to the value.
0: Jeffrey, the next point I wanted to raise was the one I thought was the most significant in this book and the most aha moment for me. But once again, you wrote this nearly 15 years ago. Yep. And that was, and it was a conversation around social media. So now that I know this book was written in 2010, I understand social media was more in its infancy back then.
1: Yeah, I did. By the way, I did a presentation yesterday just on the book. And I went back and grabbed the slides that I did back in 2010. And I looked at what the markets were you know, for each of the social media. At that time, Facebook had 450 million users. Right Four hundred and fifty million, you know how many billion they're at today. that right. tells you how how long ago I was talking about this and talking about you know I know where you're going on in, in the communities. talk ask me the real question you want to know, and I'll get to it.
0: So the insight for me was, Tom, you're not talking to a community. Tom, you're talking to communities. And when I thought about that in the corporate world, I mean, it really was aha. And that means in the corporate world, literally from the board of directors to the C-suite to middle managers to everyone in the organization. And that um, whether you believe a corporation has multiple stakeholders or any other group, that, that you're not talking to one community So you may have to talk differently to different communities, but you may have to craft your message so that everyone is included in it. And that was really what I wanted to ask you about, why the communities, plural.
1: Well, let's imagine it's about reach, discovery, and then in some way you want to say it's conversion or change that you're you're trying to drive or do. And so with each one of those communities, you got to speak in a different way. You have to show up in a different way because why? They're communities. You know, so let's just take the corporation. I can't talk. I can talk in the boardroom differently, and I have to, than I would talk typically on the line in a plant because they're just different communities and they don't care about the same things. They obviously care about the, you know, what we do as a company and everything else. But my point is there's different priorities in front of those people. Right. And so you have to be able to represent different communities, speak to different communities because you are got to win them over. You know, and if I'm even going to be evangel- evangelistic or in terms of evangelical in terms of my messaging, then I've got to meet the people where they want to be met. And I can't just speak to them the way I would like normally speak, because for some people, the way I speak in terms of how aggressive I am and the way I'm, you know, you know, rapid fire, that's that's not a good, good way to communicate to some people. And so you have to learn to be able to address communities where they need to be met.
0: You, um, and I was very appreciative that you went through a little bit of your professional background when we started this podcast, because the common theme in that story was Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey Hazlett. Yeah. Whether it was in the corporate world, whether it was an entrepreneurial world, whether it was an entertainment world, whatever it is, today's world, it's Jeffrey Hazlitt. And so you've always been selling yourself. In some of the other books I've had the privilege to read that you have written, you've made clear that transparency is a critical element, or you believe in leadership. And does that hold true in your your personal brand and what you have done and how it's allowed <laughs> you to carry forward yeah. literally to this day?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm laughing because this week, you know, somebody was saying, "Well, I, you know, I don't like the way you're saying it." And I said, "Look, I'm, you know, this is, I'm going to be transparent. If I'm telling you, I'm going to punch you in the face, I'm going to punch you in the face. You know, and I'm not holding anything back. What you see is what you get. I'm not going to play the political games, you know, inside of companies and corporations that sometimes some some people do. I just don't have time for it. You know, in my life, in terms of where I want to go, so so i focus in on try to truly being transparent but here's the big thing and i said this back then and i say it today that you have to become a personal brand because you are a brand is nothing but a promise delivered so what is your you know promise what is the what is it you're delivering that becomes your real brand and that's who you are i mean tom the the work that you've done to be you know the credible person that you are with you know 20 some podcasts and you know, representing that legal community that you do, well, that's your brand. And so, but if you sell yourself, you sell the company. If you sell the company, you sell yourself. And that's the distinction. Become attached with those companies. And and just like pro ballplayers have become attached with the teams, you still see, you know, LeBron James, but you still think, you know, you know, that... uh, that guy from Ohio, not always from the Lakers. You, when you see Tom Brady, you don't always see Tampa Bay. You see you see the Patriots. And so, you know, there's a connection to that. And so that's why you have to sell yourself. You have to be out there because you take on the attributes of the brand. The brand takes on the attributes of you.
0: Uh, another key theme I've seen in your books is culture. Yeah. And it's a positive culture. It's the right culture. Just, could you say a few words about culture and your thoughts on that today? Yeah.
1: You know, culture culture of a company is made up by you and me. You know, I am Kodak, you're Kodak, we're all Kodak, and collectively, that's what the company becomes. Whether you you can't just say this is what our culture is going to be. You have to really truly live it. It becomes a, the norms and mores of of your society of that group that you represent and you are part of a big family. And so that so you have to really develop the culture and understand what the culture is going to be like, and then recruit people in that are similar to your culture or at least you know, we're going to fit in because I've seen people who've gotten fired within weeks or days because they just didn't fit in the culture. I've seen people go into a company and die because the culture just killed them. You know, I've seen businesses fail because they could not change or morph the culture enough, quickly enough to be able to react to what's going on. So culture is a, you you know, a CEO spends a lot of time on the brand. The CEO spends a great amount of time on the culture in addition to raising money and doing all the financial stuff that they have to do. But that's a big part of the job.
0: Uh, as we move to the end, you have a great reading list. So I just had to say, one, it's a great reading list. But two, why is why was some of these books so significant to you?
1: Well, first, I, I wanted to put the books that I really thought shaped my life. And so there were a number of them, You know, Think and Grow Rich and you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I mean, I'm just thinking back on that list. So we're reflective of who we are, what we eat, how we eat, you know, so that you know the food we put in our bodies affects what you know what we do. And and I think the the stuff that we put into our mind is affects us of who we are. So I think you should be reflective of a good reading list.
0: What's next for Jeffrey?
1: I'm you know, I'm having fun. You know, I'm running the C suite don't run the day-to-day that's Tricia, and we've got a of other things i'm doing a lot of corporate boards serving as a consultant to lots of different companies uh, as i mentioned at the beginning of this i'm working with a meekano media which is a hispanic media company which is interesting i'm the only democrat non-hispanic on the whole group but i'm involved so it's it's fun for me i'm learning a lot and having a great deal of having a great deal of fun which is which is good but what's more importantly is gonna be a great deal of money be made from it not i really like
0: well, Jeffrey, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode. But I was wondering if uh, our listeners wanted more information on C Suite, what would be the best place for them to go?
1: Just email me Jeffrey at c suite Reach out to me on social media. You know, go to info at c-suite-network.com. We'll just find us. You. But if you go through any social media and you reach out to me, I'll make sure it's me getting back to you.
0: And we're going to link to the book in uh, the show notes as well. And I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me today,
1: Tom, and thank you for being one of our top broadcasters on c-suite radio. you 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 knock it out of the park every single month, and it's just good to have somebody with your caliber and credentials on the network. So thank you.
0: This is Tom Fox again. We're going to link to a purchase option. For the mirror test in our show notes. I hope you will take a look at this book. There's a lot in here for the business executive, for the chief compliance officer, or for the compliance professional. For my next episode of the Sunday Book Review Author's Edition, I will visit with Keith Reed. Keith is the author of The Unconventional Compliance Officer doing things differently. The Sunday Book Review Authors Edition is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suitradio.com.